Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. Wherever you are, whoever you are, crypto skeptic, half believer, or enthusiast, it's really great to have you tuning in to Crypto Unstacked, where we bring you a cup of crypto every week and unstack everything from crypto finance to global macroeconomics. This podcast assumes basic knowledge of crypto and aims to explore some more advanced topics about the crypto markets, such as trading strategies, lending, and derivatives. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group to buy or sell any financial products. Information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group. Hey, John, a big welcome to Crypto Unstacked, wherever you are in the world. It's really great to have you join me on the pod. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm very pleased to, uh, to meet you and looking forward to it. So let's start off with a bang here. What is going on in the U.S. right now with the rioting, <coughs> looting, and of course the powerful protests around the Black Lives Matter movement? I read the Fox article that you were recently featured in where you said that, you know, the riots are externally motivated and are going to escalate into something close to a revolution. You know, what's your take on the situation? Well, I think the first the first thing to note is that uh, people, many people in America, especially in the larger cities, have been locked in their homes, some of them for more than two months. Um, that in itself uh, had to have created a great deal of frustration, uh, anger, and resentment. Um, and if that was not taken out on people's spouses or neighbors or children or, or something, um, the, uh, it, it doesn't take much to spark, uh, uh, you know, violence in a society that is bent up and frustrated. And so, uh, I think that that contributed greatly. I mean, it, it's, seriously, I mean, if you... The, the scale of and extent of, of the violence is um, is astonishing, is it not? Right. Um, and it does not seem to be in any way of either slowing down or uh, shows no sign of disappearing. Uh, there are people who, excuse me, no, who, um, who I have... Um, you know, have peaceful demonstrations of some of those turn violent. Um, the police in many cities are virtually absent. Um, can't really blame them, uh, given the, the violence directed at the police. And, and in many cases, it's uh, it's warranted. Not the violence, but the anger. Right, right. Um, and um, I think for too long, uh, America has been almost an, author an authoritarian regime where um, police and authorities, not just the police, the FBI, the courts, um, are immune um, to uh, the needs, uh, desires, and will of the people. Uh, and they feel that they can do whatever they want, whatever they want, mm -hmm. and, and there will be no repercussions, and, and for a long time. 
this has been the case, people. You know this. You all, I mean, really, if you if you open your eyes and just look around you, um, Shakespeare called it uh, the insolence of office. Office meaning you have an official title, an official standing, uh, and that brings on insolence. It's like I'm immune. I'm more powerful than you. I have more authority than you, and you will do as I say or else and and unfortunately in america this has reached an extraordinary extreme uh and if our leaders uh meaning our mayors and governors and congressmen and president don't wake up and see that <coughs> threatening we're going to dominate the cities as, as our president said or um we're going to bring law and order. Well, you're never going to bring law and order now unless you address the fundamental problem. And it's not just a racial problem. We all know this. It's a problem of uh, overreaching authority. Mm. Um, and, and this is why I'm concerned. Unless that is addressed, this isn't going to go away, people. This rioting will continue to get more insidious, and, and soon it'll go from guns to bombs, and from bombs to burning entire cities. I mean, it, this happens. I'm sorry, the, if you look at history, when a people are downtrodden enough, and you say, well, Americans aren't downtrodden. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And the government takes up to 40% of what you have worked to earn, Yep. Uh, to pay for what? Uh, well, I mean, to pay for their junkets, their yachts, their boats. There are no congressmen who are not multimillionaires. Please, can we just check the records, all right? Um, th that seems rather strange to me, doesn't it? That you have a, uh, a representative government, uh, a representative of the people, and Everyone, everyone in the government, from the president on down to the lowest congressman, is a multimillionaire. How representative can that be, people? And and who's to blame? We're to blame. We elect these idiots into office. We actually vote for people who spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars to become president. What crazy person would vote for that person? I mean, they're paying $100 million for a job that pays them 300000 I mean, doesn't add up, people. I mean, use your heads. And you say, oh, well, the president doesn't do it. Other people, I don't care who does it. Someone's doing it. Someone's paying the money. So uh, please forgive me. I've got the start of a little cold here. No, no worries at all. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're so, saying. It's so, yeah, it's so ingrained in our society to think that we need elected representatives to speak for us. Um, well, and, well, we and do. We do need elected us. representatives okay. to speak for us. You're absolutely correct. But have we elected those representatives? I don't think so. I mean, how can someone really, I mean, you have to ask why. Now, why is someone paying $100 million for, for the job? I mean, really, it's a job. I'm sorry. The president, the congressman, it's a job. Uh, listen, we're going to vote for you, we're going to pay you, now go do your job. And yet, they're spending money, more money than the job pays. Please, people, use your heads. 
it doesn't take much thinking to see there's something wrong with this formula. And yet we continue to do it. You know, oh, well, if he's the right man or the right woman for the job or uh, no, please God, no one's the right person if they're paying money more than the job pays. I mean, I can understand someone paying bus fare to go for an interview, you know, or maybe even buying a suit. Okay, gee, my suit's old. Yes, yes, but that makes sense. I mean, maybe the first week you'll pay for that suit. But no one's ever going to be president long enough to pay $100 million. I mean, that's a 300-year uh, job to, to reclaim that money. So people were responsible. You become lazy. Uh, and rather than think things through and, and, and make tough choices, because right choices are, are always tough choices. Right. Um, and instead of voting your feelings, please, God, vote your feelings. What does that mean? No, use your head, people. What, what has happened? I mean, Jesus, when I was in my 30s, you know, that was in the 60s, we didn't have much of this going on. We really did not. We had, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, I think, was the last president um, who was a true president that <coughs> worked for the people. And he didn't want to be president. Good Lord, he was a supreme allied commander of the Second World War, the most powerful person in the world. It was a step down uh, <laughs> to be president. He didn't want it. He was old. He was tired. wanted to go fish. And he was ashamed into taking it. Who else wants to really? America was a mess after the war. You know, there was all kinds of financial and social problems that and yet he, he went ahead and took the job. When he left office in 1960, he warned us. He said, if you don't do something with people, uh, the military-industrial complex and the CIA are going to take every single freedom that you have. And that they have, people. They have. I, I don't think it really matters now who the president is because the, the system in which we live is like an automobile with a frozen steering wheel. Mm. It doesn't matter who's driving people doesn't matter who's driving. And if you doubt me, uh, those of you who have lived through more than a few presidential elections, was a single hair on your head wafted by that awesome change in power? No, you know it wasn't. You know it wasn't. Nothing changes. I mean, even when presidents do try. Uh, Obama, uh, you know, spending half of his entire eight-year term building Obamacare. Um, and and uh, what happened to it? It was dismantled. We all knew it. It's not in the interest of the military-industrial complex and certainly not of the CIA to have change in this country. But unfortunately, um, our system has become oppressive enough that you're seeing it boiling over now. And what you got to do is you got to turn down the heat, not turn it up. Do you understand what, what we're doing as a, as a government? I mean, people are frustrated. They're angry. They, they want revenge on something, and they don't even know what it is uh, that they want revenge for. They just know that something's not right. That's a great way to put it. That they, don't, yep. they don't feel free in a country that's supposed to be a free country. 
And and what are we doing? Well, we're going to lay down the law. Oh, please, that's right. Pour more oil on the fire. If I don't wait and see it, that helps. It will not. And this is why I fear something terrible will happen if we don't back off as a country, not our people, but our government. Back the fuck off, please. You are going to destroy America by your authoritarian fucking attitudes. This is the problem. And I'm sorry, please forgive my cursing. I'm an old man and things just roll out of my mouth. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, exactly to your point, we're seeing this ripple effect of, you know, anger and frustration not being contained in just the U.S. We're, we're seeing this across the world, you know, in parts of Europe and also in Asia as well, where, where I'm based, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just um, a narrative no, it, that is concentrated on the U.S. It no, just so of course not. That. It's flared but, and very, very visible, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but, he, but, but, but here's the problem. Do you understand that America has such power and such influence in the world and has for 50 years that everyone emulates America? If America cracks down, and so does everybody. Look at the laws, drug laws. You know, in most countries, no one really gave a shit until America goes. Although marijuana is bad, LSD is bad. Well, suddenly all over the world it's bad. Um, so yet yeah, the rest of the world is taking its cue from America, and, and the rest of the world needs to stop doing that. If this is not apparent, people. I mean, if if. Uh, you know, Russia, not Russia, they don't particularly emulate America, but, you know, if, uh, Western Europe and uh, Africa and the Caribbean uh, see what's happening in America now, maybe, maybe they will step back and go, whoa, maybe we've taken a wrong turn and we have taken a wrong turn. People, please see the truth. On If it's not apparent, if you're in any city in America, look out your window. Look out the windows of Los Angeles, New York, Minneapolis, please, people. It is deteriorating at an astonishing and alarming rate. So before we move on to the next topic, let's take a quick break and hear a few words about Amber Group. This episode of the Crypto Unstacked podcast is presented by Amber Group. Amber Group is a fully integrated crypto finance platform offering a suite of secondary market services across trading, wealth management, and financing solutions. We are backed by some amazing investors such as Paradigm and Pantera and work with clients and partners all over the world. Head on over to ambergroup.io to learn more about us. That's A-M-B-E-R-G-R-O-U-P dot I-O. You had mentioned earlier LSD. <laughs> Let's talk about that because you posted your first episode on Drugs 101 on Twitter, I saw, and uh, I always like to explore the minds of my guests. So, you know, <laughs> what's your fascination with drugs? I'm, uh, I'm super curious. I don't know. I mean, what's our fascination with anything that we're fascinated with? I mean, we encounter it at some point in our life, either young or old, and it intrigues us, uh, uh, it titillates us, uh, uh, slows us down or speeds us up. Uh, you know, I don't know where my fascination really came from. Um, you know, alcohol is a drug. I, I, 
experienced that as a very, very young man. And, um, you know, my first year in college, I almost became an alcoholic. My fraternity was, you know, always having parties and with beer, wine, booze. Um, you know, if I stumbled on marijuana in my early 20s in New York City, and then it everything else just came i mean you know it, and I keep in mind I, I lived through the 60s and in 1960 well in 1969 when the 60s sort of ended i was 25 years old um and the 60s uh, were the days when if people were passing through town and handed out a pill we just popped it. just what we did you know there weren't we didn't seem to have the type of people we have today, which are trying to do harm, trying to, you know, no, I just more of an experimentation, even more of experimentation, and and that's right. And you know, here's the thing about drugs: I'm not recommending drugs to anyone, by the way. Um, but those of you who have tried um, hallucinogenics, LSD, DMT, ayahuasca, mushrooms, you name it, um, will have experienced a part of the mind that many people go through their entire lives without knowing that it even exists. Um, drugs under certain circumstances can bring a mirror of clarity to your face where you see yourself in, a, in an entirely different light. Um, and for some people that is enlightening, for others it's horrific, and for others it's just plain in the way. Let's get on with the fun, right? Um, and the fun drugs, obviously, I mean, they're <laughs> Many of them can be found, from heroin all the way to um, ecstasy, uh, cocaine is a fun drug, uh, methamphetamines, the um, cathinone class that the Chinese uh, experimented with and, and delved so deeply into. Uh, I mean, among those, uh, certainly the most powerful drug I have ever taken, I've never heard of one that approaches this power, is uh, methylene dioxypyrovalerone, MDPV, which um, if, if taken properly, where the dosage is correct and not too much, <coughs> gives you not just uh, visual hallucinations, but auditory hallucinations, and the only drug I've ever taken that gave me oh. tactile hallucinations. I mean, were you feeling things and not there, but they're real. I mean, they're as real as, as this. You feel it. You, All at you, once. You experience it. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's freaky. It is freaky beyond <laughs> belief, yes. And not all, not necessarily all at once. Sometimes you're just getting tactile. Stuff. Um, and, but, but most of the time, the, the hallucinatory, uh, auditory, and visuals don't match up. I mean, and people are on MDPV almost always have one common auditory hallucination, and that is calling your name. Someone somewhere is calling your name. That's the freakiest oh. thing when you're talking and someone's going, John. Yeah. 
John, (laughs) and while that's happening, maybe someone's stroking your leg, but they're not there. It's like, it's a freaky drug, people, and it's not for beginners, and it's not even for anybody, really. Um, It is now outlawed in every country in the world. Every country in the world Mm. is the number one worst drug, uh, maybe. Certainly, the my experience, the number one most powerful drug. It makes LSD and DMT look like baby aspirin in <laughs> comparison. So, um, wow, I can only imagine that yes. that experience. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, turning the conversation now to. I would say, you know, a much more interesting part of your life, which is, you know, your 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 lifelong journey as an entrepreneur. You know, anyone who takes a moment to read your bio uh, will know that you've reinvented yourself many, many times over the years. And I think people want to hear what you have to say because you're incredibly opinionated about, you know, just about everything. Um, I am which, indeed. Which which makes you, you know, very interesting, right? And and so for our conversation today, I kind of want to pull back. The curtains here to get to know John the entrepreneur. Um, you know, okay. people best know you for your namesake antivirus software company called McAfee Associates. Um, but before diving in on that venture, you know, I want to talk about where your interest for entrepreneurship began, right? How did you first become sure. interested in computers and technology? Well, computers are not exactly entrepreneurship. It's just one aspect. No, I became interested in in being an entrepreneur at the age of 11 when it occurred to me that I could make some spare change. Excuse me, there's a fly in this room. There's make some spare change. I think there's a fly. I'm not on a drug. (laughs) Um, I could make some spare change by uh, knocking on my neighbor's door and asking if they would like uh, their yard. Now, no one likes to mow a yard, right? And some kid comes by and for a dollar seventy-five, and there was a lot more money back then. Said, "I'm not mowing your yard." You know, I was mowing almost all of my neighbors' yards, and um, that was in the summertime. And in the uh, winter time, um, Janice, can you do something with this fly? <laughs> you can see it, right? <laughs> yes, I can see it. Sorry, Leslie. Ah, no, sorry. I'm sorry. It is an aggressive <laughs> motherfucker, okay? And it's like, okay, if there's any meth in this room, the fly must have snorted it because that's just exactly what it's acting like. And, and Dennis, come it's around a, to the a, camera if you need to. We'd love to say hi to you for a second. <laughs> uh, Janice, they want to say hi, please, just for a second. Okay. Hello. Hi, Janice. Nice to meet you. Thanks it's so much. It's nice for to meet you as well. <laughs> of course, you're very welcome. It's going well. <laughs> Besides for this fly, that is, you know, yes. (laughs) All right. So, so anyway, so then in in the wintertime, I would take a shovel uh, when it snowed and ask the neighbors who they wanted their walk shovel for 50 cents. And so I made a a fair amount of money uh, starting at the age of 11. When I was uh, 13, I took over a paper route in the neighborhood and then took over a larger paper route, combined them and hired kids to, to carry the papers uh, you know, for me. So I don't know, that was entrepreneurial. I've always wanted to take care of myself. And that's all entrepreneurs is. It's the understanding that you don't have to work for anybody. 
mm-hmm. that you can work for yourself. And if you're creative enough to simply find an area where something needs doing, I don't care what it is, yards need mowing, uh, um, walkways need shoveling, um, uh, software needs created, creating. Um, so I've, I've just always done that. Uh, and at the same time, I've worked for companies because I'm also a lazy SOB, and uh, sometimes it's easier just to work for somebody for six months or a year, save your money, and then travel, which I did more times than I can count. Uh, save all the money, quit, and then travel the world mm-hmm. uh, until my money ran out. And sometimes, like in Germany, I, I was traveling, uh, ran out of money, and I got a job in Germany with uh, Siemens. Uh, the German electrical manufacturer. You know, that's just my life. And then in between, I would do things like, uh, at one point, uh, I got into the jewelry business. I took off from, I think, the great American insurance company. I can't remember which job it was. I went to uh, Mexico with uh, my girlfriend and simply got into the jewelry business, uh, buying stones in Magdalena, uh, which is a town in northern Mexico, driving about 2,000 miles south to uh, Tosco, which is the jewelry-making capital of, of Mexico, having them set into stones, and driving up to Mazatlan, which is where all the Americans go, or used to go to uh, vacation, and selling them to tourists on the beach. I got into all kinds of trouble doing that. I never had a license. I was arrested in Puerto Vallarta doing that. But I don't know. That's just entrepreneurism is taking advantage of opportunities that lend themselves to potential money-making activity. I mean, what has it been like to get into the crypto space where you've, again, reinvented yourself, right, as a crypto enthusiast, um, you know, being a founder of the MacBook Dex and also the inventor of Ghostcoin as well, which I know is one of your most recent projects. So from a very high level, could you talk about your motivation there and if this is something that you would like to stick to for the foreseeable future? Well, listen, I'm 74. There's not going to be many more ventures after this, probably. But um, no, here's why I'm into crypto. I think the arrival of the blockchain, uh, the immutable uh, record of reality, which is what blockchains are, um, and the advent of cryptocurrency based on the blockchain, for the first time has has given us a world-changing technology that has not come from the bowels of a government research program or from Apple or uh, IBM or Microsoft or Google. No, no, no. It came from the people. And almost all of the technology in this arena is open source. Like, we like Ghost. We'll be releasing our source code on the 22nd of this month. Open source, meaning it's yours. We don't own it. This is what we did. We're moving on. It's yours. Um, for the first time, that's given the people an opportunity to own a world-changing technology. Um, my big concern is that we do not lose this opportunity by allowing government uh, to take it over uh, and force us not to be able to use our own, which I, I think that's going to happen. Certainly with privacy coins, they're going to help mm-hmm. Monero, I'm sure, in another year or two. Um, but does it matter? 
I mean, they outlawed marijuana um, for 75 years in America, and it didn't stop anybody from smoking it. I mean, if, if, if you see the value to it, people, you must also see the injustice of governments attempting to steal it from us. Let them do it too. It's open source, yeah. But don't allow them to force us to use their currencies. That's, that's the tragedy that I see that might happen. Thank you so much. I really Thank enjoyed you. Really this. Thank you. really appreciate this. Thank you so much, Don. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, hope you enjoyed this week's Cup of Crypto. If you like what you heard, please share and subscribe on Spotify and anchor.fm slash crypto unstacked. Do engage with us through social media. I'll provide details in the show notes and connect with me on Twitter at Les Lambo. That's L-E-S-L-A-M-B-0. Would love to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care and see you at our next episode.